Pressure coming, pressure coming. And he's sacked again at the four-yard line. This is Buccaneers Total Access. Another sack by Shaq Barrett. He's got three today. Brought to you by Frontier Communications. Rely on your ultimate teammate, Frontier. Don't go it alone. Visit Frontier.com slash Bucks. And by Hooters. Hooters, the original wing joint since 1983. Caught! Touchdown! Tampa Bay! Oh, Jay Howard! Fire them cannons! What a play! Now your host, Bucks team reporter Casey Phillips. All right, we are here on Buccaneers Total Access. Casey Phillips with Antoine Winfield Jr. Brought to you by Frontier Communications and Hooters. Uh, first of all, thanks for being with us, Antoine. Yeah, no problem. Okay, so I uh, got to hear first first game in front of Bucks fans at, at the stadium. What was that like? Yeah, it was a cool experience. You know, um, we finally actually were able to have some fans out there. So uh, my family came down. So it was good to have them out there cheering me on. That's awesome. And and I always have to ask the rookies, uh, the Cannons, the first time that you experienced the Cannons, I know y'all did a walkthrough earlier in preseason and now being at the home game, what what were your reactions the first time that you heard them? Uh, they were loud and um, it was unexpected because I, I think they just like shoot them off. I don't know if it's randomly, but um, they're, they're loud. You can, you'll definitely hear them if you go to the stadium. Yeah, I think the random one is the one when they get in the red zone. That's always the one that gets people. You're not expecting yeah. it after the score. Yeah. That'll, that'll it's, get you for sure. it's super loud. Super loud. Uh, okay, so so tell us a little bit about this uh, defensive performance on Sunday. Crazy game, tale of two halves for sure. Um, I know that you guys were not happy with how things were going uh, in the first half. So what was kind of going on defensively that, that caused you guys to fall behind a little bit, give up a couple big plays? What was what was not working in that first half? Yeah, um, their offense did a great job. Um, they made some plays early on, and uh, we knew, like, we had to sit down and talk and just make sure that we were on the same page with everything and make sure that we were uh, getting our stuff together. Um, so as, when the second half came around, I feel like everybody was fired up and ready to go, and I feel like we made the um, corrections that we needed to make to, you know, go ahead and win the game. And for you guys, what was the mentality like? I mean, what, that was such a huge shift from first half to second half. What was being said on the sideline? What were you guys talking about? How were you all able to hold it together in terms of the emotions and the mental side of it to be able to mount? I mean, a 17-point comeback is, is nothing to sneeze at. Yeah, um, it's just about uh, the leadership on our team. You know, we have great leaders. Everybody's out there. Everybody's super positive about the situation and um, just really leaning on each other. Um, and just being positive about the whole situation. You know, every game's not going to be perfect. Um, you're going to be down in, at some point. But um, we just really stuck together and, and made it through. For you guys, um, when that play happened with Sue forcing the fumble, Devin recovering it, I mean, how what what did that do for you guys as a defense in that moment and maybe even as a team? I mean, would you point to that as sort of the, the turnaround point of the game? Yeah, 100%. That uh, changed the entire game because it was – we were about to go into the half um, down, I believe, about 17 points at the time. And um, that was a huge play right there on the goal line. And he uh, made the fumble, and the offense was able to go down there and score before half, which uh, changed the whole dynamic of the game. The last two games, you guys had a huge lead. And then this time, you guys were behind by a bit. What is the different mentality of those two situations? And how have you guys been able to um, come out with the win no, no matter what that situation was, of either up by a lot, down by a lot? What, what has that taught you? Um, about the NFL experience and about this team and, and what it takes to be able to maintain a win in both of those situations? Yeah, it's definitely a learning experience, um, both being up and being down. Um, you're able to see that anybody can win a game. Um, it doesn't matter if you're up or down. It doesn't even matter. You just got to make sure that you either close the, the team out or you can, you're always in the game. So there's never really like any instance where you're like, all right, this game is over until it's over. 
Um, but um, <laughs> yeah. it, it's, it's definitely a learning experience. Is it crazy for you to realize you're already a quarter of the way through your first season? Yeah, it's weird. Um, it, I, I think it's going by fast. <laughs> I don't know, these weeks are just flying by, but yeah, it's crazy. How would you say, I've been trying to ask people this week about, you know, it's sort of like a quarter season state of the union. Give me kind of a big picture where you feel like you're at as compared to where you wanted to be, maybe where, you know, the DBs are at, the defense overall. Just kind of give us an assessment of through four games, how you're feeling. Uh, personally, I feel like I can uh, be a lot of be- a lot better in many different areas. Um, I feel like I'm not even um, at the prime of my game yet. I'm still working to, you know, get better each day. And I feel like as a defense, we all have that same mindset is that we just got to continue getting better. And then from there, the sky's the limit. I, I have a hard time imagining that per- very many other people are looking at you thinking, yeah, he can, he can be a lot better because you're already playing so well. I mean, you are, are just killing it out there. And that's impressive for a rookie period, but much less this year in this kind of an off season. So why have you been this ready when you missed so many reps in the off season? I mean, what do you, what do you give that credit to? Uh, I would say preparation, um, you know, coming in and just working extremely hard, um, learning what I'm supposed to do and how I'm supposed to do it. And um, just making plays, being around the ball and just doing my job. Um, I credit it just to my preparation and just uh, playing extremely hard. Did you expect to do this well, this quickly? I mean, when you were kind of coming into the league, what, what were your expectations for yourself? Yeah, I mean, there's many goals that I set for myself early on. So, like, my first goal was to come in here and earn a starting position. That was goal number one. And then um, once I get that starting position, the next goal was to go out there and make plays for the team. And so it just kind of – it's just different little goals that I that I have for myself that I just try to achieve. All right, we have our – and related to that, we have our uh, Hooters hot question of the day, which is essentially – what you have been able to do in terms of how have you been able to have such a diverse set of skills that you now have sacks, passes, defensed, tackles, tackles for lost, force fumble, like, and all that was even just in the first three games. And at that point, you were the only rookie to have made a mark in all of those stat categories in the whole league. So first of all, were you, were you yeah, I'm, I can tell from your reaction, you didn't know that, which is, I mean, what, what does that mean to hear that? And then for our Hooters Hot Question of the Day, how have you been able to have such a diverse set of skills? Um, I would say just being around the ball. Um, when you're around the ball, good things happen. Um, that's how I'm able to get, you know, pass defenses or uh, pass breakups, um, sacks, uh, forced fumbles and things like that. One thing on the list that I have not had yet was an interception. And hopefully those are going to be coming in soon. Um, but uh, just being around the football. Yeah, I can tell that interception is the one that – is that the one you want yeah. more than any of the others, I'm assuming? Yes, yes. <laughs> I, I got to put that on the stat sheet. That's, that's awesome. Do you, have, do you already have a plan for your celebration when that happens? You know what? Um, I haven't thought about it yet. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to uh, live in a moment and just enjoy it. And just see what happens, whatever flows in that moment. Yeah, whatever flows, flows. Well, and it seems like a lot of you DBs uh, and just defensive guys overall, you guys all have some pretty cool handshakes with each other. Is, is that is that accurate? Is that a thing that you guys have purposefully planned? Yeah, that is the thing. You'll see us doing it like out at practice, and then we just do it during game day. That's great. You guys, it seems like you guys already have just such amazing chemistry as a group, and and you're all so young. Um, how have you guys developed? Just explain the relationships there, the bond, um, and how you guys have gotten to that point. Just, you know, what that means for you and the defense, how how important that can be. Yeah, I think the closer you are outside of playing football, the better you are on the field. Um, so once you have, like, those relationships, you know, you can really depend on each other to, you know, do our jobs. And the first thing we have to have is trust. If we trust each other to be in the right uh, area or right coverage that we're in, then we can just play off each other and 
go out there and do our job. So we're talking to safety Antoine Winfield Jr. Um, I know that you've talked about how much coming in prepared was so important for you, and you've cited a lot that your dad is is a big part of you being prepared. Um, so I know he. I mean, he played 14 years in the league. That's a heck of a uh, person to have on your side helping you, you know, prepare and watch film and all that. Explain how much you talk to him about football, how much he is still a part of your development now. Yeah, um, he's still a part of my development. Um, I'll go home, like, after uh, we work out and have meetings at the facility, I'll go home, call him, get him on FaceTime, and then we'll go through film. And so he's helping me, you know, dissect different offenses up and um, helping me out with tips and things like that. So, we talk pretty much every day um, about football and he's just been extremely helpful. That's incredible. I mean, do you feel yeah. like I've heard a lot of the coaches and people who are familiar with him when he played say that you really remind them of him in the style that you play. Um, would you agree with that? And, and would he agree with that? Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. So tell us what, what is that style? What would you define as the way that you play and the way he played? Um, just explain to us the, the type of safety that you are. Well, I mean, he played corner. Um, so I would say the, differences um you know I'm in safety I'm more in the middle of the field and he was out there on an island but um I would say you know we're both not the biggest guys um you know uh but we play hard I would say that we play extremely hard we get we get to the football we're always around it so I I would say like those are the similarities between me and my pops what are your earliest memories of you with your dad in terms of football and and some of the earliest things that influenced maybe you wanting to play football the way that you play football. What are, what are some of those early moments? Well, the earliest memory I have of playing football would be with my dad. I remember we were, I was probably like two years old. We have home videos of it. And um, I remember he was on his knees and um, I had a bandana wrapped around my head. Like I was Deion Sanders. And then we were just going back and forth and he was tackling me and things like that. So that would be the earliest memory I have of playing football. Man, tackle football at two. No wonder you're prepared. <laughs> right, right. That's incredible. Um, yeah. So for you, I mean, do you have? Do you find yourself wondering if you would be playing even better if you guys had had a normal off season? Like, is there a part of you that's, you know, a little that, that you get a little upset at the fact that this is something you had to deal with as a rookie that you know so many other people haven't had to deal with? Um, no, not really. I don't really look at it like that. You know, we are just put in a situation, and you know, I made the most of my situation. Uh, that I was put in. And so I don't really have any regrets or anything uh, coming into the season. And you, you talked about the preparation. We know your dad helped you. How about some of the guys on the team? Um, who are, who are guys that, because again, when you missed so much time trying to come in here and get caught up, um, who are the guys that really have played a big role in that on the team with you? I would say uh, Jordan Whitehead um, helped me a lot. Uh, when I first got down here, um, you know, we started working out together and things like that. And then as we transitioned into the facility and everything, he just helped me out with um, the calls um, and learning the defense a lot. So I would say Jordan. Okay. And what what are the biggest things that um, you feel like you've had to learn that you, you, you're obviously somebody that has been prepared for a long time, studied film for a long time, all of that. What do you feel like the difference was in maturing, growing, learning in the NFL as compared to other levels you've played at? Um, I, like I, as far as like the game itself. Either way, whatever game. whatever sticks out to you of what you've had to learn coming in here. Um, well, I'm trying to think of something that I had to learn. Uh, oh, you just already knew everything, didn't you? <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm just trying to think of something that I had to learn. Well, I, I would say one thing that I learned um, is that you always have to, you know, bring your A game no matter what. Um, you can't have an off day or off night or off game or anything like that because 
uh, it will result in a loss or your spot being taken. So um, you can't have an off day. That's one thing I would learn. That's fair. That's fair. Okay, well, we'll have more coming up on Buccaneers Total Access brought to you by Frontier Communications and Hooters. This is Buccaneers Radio. Buccaneers Total Access continues. Brought to you by Frontier Communications and by Hooters. Here's Bucks team reporter Casey Phillips. We are back on Buccaneers Total Access. Brought to you by Frontier Communications and Hooters. We are here with safety Antoine Winfield Jr. Um, so for you, I mean, tell me a little bit about Todd Bowles' defense, what you like about it, and and how it fits you. Yeah, I would say um, – He's, his defense is very versatile. I mean, we have so many weapons on our defensive side, so he uses us and um, and, and puts us in great positions. And I would say um, one thing I like is that he's aggressive. Um, he likes to blitz a lot, and I love blitzing. So um, I would say he's very versatile, and he's very great at putting us in great positions. What is he like as a coach? So that's kind of a little bit about his system. Uh, but what is we what is he like as a, as a coach? The way he uh, interacts with you guys, the way he motivates you, the way he communicates, all of that. Yeah, Coach Bowles is a real, a very laid-back coach. Um, he lets us go out there and play, and um, he's also great at uh, just correcting us. If we do something wrong, he'll pull us to, to the side and let us know what we did wrong so we can fix and make it better. So he's a, he's a very cool laid-back coach. Is that the kind of coaching that you like to respond to? or you know, what, what do you need from a coach when you're out there? What, what are the things that you want and hope for? Yeah, I just want a coach to let me know what I'm doing wrong so I can fix it and, and become better. Um, you know, it, it's football, so I don't take anything personally. It's just I want to become better. So if you can let me know something that will improve my game, I'm all for it. Then that probably sounds like you can handle uh, Bruce Arians pretty well. I've heard that uh, if you if you do something wrong, he's definitely not someone that will shy away from letting guys know. Is is that fair? Yeah, that's that's fair to say. <laughs> what what have you, what's your experience been like with him and maybe what did you know about him before coming in here and then your experience actually getting to have him as your coach um before I, I really didn't really uh know of him before to be totally honest um but once I got here um he was BA is super cool he's laid back as well um he doesn't really speak a lot but he'll say something when when the time is right like you'll hear him in team meetings and things like that when something's wrong he'll tell you it's wrong straight up and he's very upfront. And I mean, you had a chance to win NFL Defensive Rookie of the Month. That's an incredible honor that you just found out about last week. What did, what did that mean to you when you found out that that was an award that you had received? Yeah, that was a uh, real cool. Um, it lets me know that I'm taking um, the right steps in the right direction. So just kind of keep building these accolades up, and you never know. The sky's the limit. You're the fourth Buccaneer ever to win that award, and two of the other three are Devin and Levante. So. <laughs> What does that mean for you to know that this is the, you know, this is the group you now belong in? And, and what does that say now that there are three of you guys on that defense that have won an award like that? Yeah, that's crazy. Um, Levante and Devin, they're both uh, some dogs out there on the field. Um, great players, great leaders. And um, it's just crazy just to, you know, uh, be in company with them. It, it's just amazing. Knowing that Devin is only one year ahead of you and that he did just win that rookie of the of the month award, you know, just he, he won it November and December, just, you know, the couple months right before yours that are eligible. And now he's got that captain role. He's viewed as one of the leaders on the team. What does that mean to you to see that someone like him who has gained that kind of, you know, notoriety within the team as quickly as he has, what, what does that tell you about what you could be moving forward and, and how that timeline could look like for you to be one of those leaders? Yeah. It lets me uh, know a lot. Um, knowing that he's done that uh, within a year, pretty much um, gives me hope that I can um, be that impact for the team. Um, 
next year or whenever I get my chance to, you know, be a leader. And so um, it's just really uh, inspirational. Tristan Wirfs, another rookie who's been asked to come in and, and do big things right alongside you. What have you seen from him and, and how did you get to know him in terms of, you know, in all those rookie Zoom meetings? And um, yeah. how, how would you describe the kind of guy he is off the field and the type of player he's already proven to be on the field? Yeah, Tristan's a great player. Um, you know, he just had a great game. Um, and I would say, I, even though he's from Iowa, which they're rivals because, you know, I went to Minnesota. So, um, but he, <laughs> he's a great player. He's a cool dude off the field as well. Yeah, that's a that's a big statement for you to be able to to comment like that. I understand yeah. that, that that hurts a little bit to be a, to be complimenting the Iowa guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, you you got your fellow Minnesota guy having your back in in the rookie room as well with Tyler Johnson. Um, mm-hmm. What's it been like to get to do this transition with him? And what have you seen? You know, what what could he be if you tell Bucks fans they they still haven't got a chance to see him as much yeah. as he dealt with some injuries for a bit, but now he's starting to get on the field a little bit more. What can Bucks fans expect from him? Yeah, he's a playmaker. Um, once he get on the field, he's he's gonna make plays, and um, it's really cool just to you know be able to experience that with him. Because I mean, we came into college together, and so he had that experience together. Um, and then now doing it in the pros, it's it's uh, still cool just to you know see him around the building every day. Like, wow, we're really in the NFL together on the same team. It, it's really cool. Yeah, that's incredible. Um, yeah. and and speaking of the wide receivers, I mean, this is a heck of a group that you face in practice every day them and the tight ends as well I mean all the different pass catching options that this team has um what has that been like to go against them and and if you were to explain for you know the opposing defenses how hard it is for what they're they're going to have to do to try to stop our offense what what is that like oh it's tough um very tough I mean you have I mean you got to pick your poison I mean from wide receivers running backs to the tight ends is talent everywhere to to Tom being back there throwing it to all of them it, it's a really hard offense to stop I'll tell you that yeah. <laughs> so what what have you learned about each of those some of those guys that either the tight ends or the wide receivers and and how that's helped you in your coverage of what you've learned to do yeah um just seeing what it's like with them like running their routes and doing things like that like they're the best of the best so it's good work to go up against that um but just seeing that every day is just lets me know like where, where I want to be at you know going up against that only makes me better did you have sort of a uh, – we're talking to safety Antoine Winfield Jr. here. Uh, did you have sort of a welcome to the NFL moment where – I feel like a lot of rookies have that where it's like, oh, man, this is this is next level. Uh, have you had that either in practice or in a game yet? Um, I don't think I've had it yet. I don't think I've had it yet. Welcome to the NFL moment. Um, I don't know if I want to have it. Is that, is that a good thing to have or no? I mean, it probably depends. Uh, probably not because it probably means things didn't go real well. So that's probably a good yeah, thing yeah. that you that you haven't had it yet. But yeah, I think that uh, I think Tristan said his was going against, you know, Cam Jordan and realizing like, oh, man, and I have to protect Tom Brady and keep him from getting yeah. killed against this person. So I, yeah, I feel like it's probably a good thing that you haven't had it yet. You're just you're just ready to go. You're just ready to go. Yeah, I haven't had haven't experienced that yet. But yeah. <laughs> And, I, you know, I've heard – it's always funny to me when you hear people draw comparisons that, you know, people in the media just love drawing comparisons with players of, oh, he plays a lot like this guy. Um, who Do you feel like you can compare yourself to someone other than your dad of either who you think you play like or who you want to play like in the league? Well, I want to play like Antoine Winfield Jr. Um, I know I get compared to a lot of people, but I really want to, you know, create my own comparison. I want people to get compared to me now since I'm at the top level. So my goal is, you know, just be my own player. Are there any of those comparisons that you uh, maybe like 
or are okay with? Like, I know the Honey Badger's one that people have said. Oh, yeah, for sure. Honey Badger, uh, Buddha Baker, those guys are some dogs. So, I mean, I don't mind compare, getting compared to them because they're beasts. What do you think has been the um, the biggest difference in college to pro? That if maybe things that you kind of even wish you knew before you came in here, just if you were going to describe, you know, if you were going to tell you a year ago kind of what to expect about the difference in the NFL, what would it be? Um, I would say the speed of the game, but that's pretty general. Uh, it's definitely faster. And I would say um, just uh, studying more um, analytical terms to football, like just knowing like different like route concepts, um, personnel and different things like that, different fronts. I would tell myself to learn like the different fronts that we have more just to help me uh, just to pick up the defense faster and things like that. Okay. Okay. And yep. What are coaches telling you that they want you to work on? What are the, what are the biggest things that they're saying that as, as much as you've obviously come in and played incredibly well, uh, what, are, what are the areas they're working on you with growth? Uh, with growth, just, um, just awareness of the situations that are going, that are going on in the game. Um, just being aware, let's say it's like third and five, you know, be at the sticks, don't be too deep. So I would say just an awareness standpoint. Okay, and last question here. This, this cracked me up. I hear that you have the nickname Tweez. Is this accurate? <laughs> yes, that's accurate. And explain explain this. And is this a thing that the Bucks players have already started using with you? Um, some have, but it hasn't really caught on yet. But um, everybody called me that in college and high school and growing up. Um, I don't really even remember where it came from, but I believe it was my dad. He just started calling me Tweez, and everybody just kind of picked it up. That's awesome. I love it. All right. Yeah. Well, we have more coming up on Buccaneers Total Access, brought to you by Frontier Communications and Hooters. This is Buccaneers Radio. You're listening to Buccaneers Total Access, brought to you by Frontier Communications and by Hooters. Here's Bucks team reporter Casey Phillips. Well, we are back here on Buccaneers Total Access, brought to you by Frontier Communications and Hooters. In the first half, we had safety Antoine Winfield Jr. on with us, uh, but because of their meeting schedule on this short week, he was only able to get in about half the show before he had to run into another meeting. So now I am so excited to be joined by former Buccaneer and current color commentator on the Bucks radio network, Dave Moore. Dave, thanks for being with me. Oh, happy to be here. Oh, man. Tough schedule. Those guys have meetings. Short week is going to be rough. Yeah, that's it's got to be brutal. And I mean, uh, take me through what you remember from when you were playing of, of the hardest parts of that of a short week like this, where it's not just a short week, but there's also travel thrown in. Right. And, and you know, obviously, the coaches work on the game plan weeks in advance. And they look at that schedule, and they're going to know they have a short week. And, you know, even this past week, getting ready uh, for the Charger game, they were still putting in some plays and some uh, coverages and fronts and everything to try to get some reps in practice uh, other than a walkthrough situation for this week. So obviously it makes the week before a little more difficult, but the toughest part really is just trying to get your body right. Uh, it was a pretty physical game against the Chargers, and now uh, you got to do everything you can to get rest, uh, get in the ice tub, heat. Um, you know, and mentally prepare yourself to gear up and, and do it again in four days. And that's that's not an easy thing. And, you know, I don't know how Tom Brady does it because, you know, my last three or four years in the league, you know, once you hit 35, you're usually sore uh, until Thursday or Friday for, for the coming game from the week before. So, you know, obviously uh, he's figured something out. And uh, so, 
you know, the older you get, the harder it is to recover. When you're young, you're sore for a day or two. By Wednesday, you're ready to practice again. But that's really the, the most difficult part um, is physically being ready to, to play, you know, a full game, a physical game. And then the travel, of course, does nothing but make you tired. But uh, it's just trying to get that body right to do it again. Yeah, and speaking of Brady and what he's been able to do, um, when you heard we were signing him, what did you expect out of him as a Buccaneer? And then now a quarter of the way through the season, what have you seen from him and, and how do those two things compare? Well, you obviously know what you're getting. I mean, you know, the, the guy's been to nine Super Bowls. He has six Super Bowl rings. Um, you know, the biggest question mark would be, you know, has there been a physical decline? You know, when you watched the team play last year up in New England, he wasn't taking a lot of shots down the field, but yet his receiver core was very depleted. You know, Clyde Christensen was my tight end coach under Tony Dungy way back in the early Dungy days, and, and he and I had been pretty close. And I asked him, you know, can he still make all the throws? And he's like, Dave, I watched four years of tape. Uh, you know, doing my scouting report. And he was very funny. He says, you know, every year I got to do a report on all of the free agent quarterbacks in the NFL. So he said, I actually felt silly critiquing Tom Brady. But he said, I watched four years of tape and that he could still make every throw. And uh, I checked with him during camp. Obviously, you and I are used to going over and watching practice during camp, but we couldn't do that. So I just shot him a text. I said, is he as advertised? And he said, absolutely. Um, so we saw that on Sunday. But the biggest thing is, is, is exactly what we saw in the game yesterday. Um, 24 to 7, they're down. But it was the first time in my broadcast career and probably the majority of my playing years, and even with the score at that, you still felt like you were in the game and it was just a matter of time before they started clicking to bring you back. That's the Tom Brady effect that when you sign a guy like that, you know, he came back from one of the biggest Super Bowl deficits ever on the biggest stage when they were losing 28 to three to Atlanta. And he finds a way in that game to come back. Well, a regular season game should be nothing else, but or nothing different. But when you think about what that does to the other players and the players around them. I heard Bruce Arians even after the game saying if we were in that situation last year, we would have got beat by 20 points, you know. And uh, so that's that's the Tom Brady and the expectation that you have with a guy of 20 years experience. You can't give him a defense, a coverage, a blitz he hasn't seen. Um, you know, he's a coach on the field. But that factor right there was you never feel like you're out of a game because – you know, he has the ability to turn around and throw five touchdowns. They scored five drives in a row, you know, last one of the first half and then four consecutive drives. And then the fifth one, they took a knee to win the game. So, I mean, that's that's exactly what we were all hoping for. And now um, we just got to continue to move in that direction. Yeah, that really was just an incredible thing to watch on Sunday. Uh, we're talking to former Buccaneer tight end Dave Moore. Um, Explain what you saw of of the first half versus the second half team wide. I mean, first half it just there was the first drive down that looked great, and then just the offense kind of sputtered. The defense wasn't producing a lot of the stuff that they had in recent games in terms of sacks or turnovers. It just kind of felt like everything wasn't quite clicking the way it had. 
and then to have such success in the second half to come back the way they did. We talked about the idea of the mental side of that with Tom Brady and, and his effect, but what did you see in terms of the actual X's and O's of on the field of, of what was such a shift for both sides of the ball from that first to second half? Well, I think the the defense initially, after coming off such a great week, uh, appeared to be a little flat. What I mean by that, they didn't have that sense of urgency like you saw uh, the prior week. The offense came out like they, they normally do uh, and drive right down the field. But that interception, you talk about defining moments or momentum plays, you know, Chargers weren't doing anything on defense. The Bucs came out for the first time this year and were averaging seven yards a carry on the ground from the very first play. So they came out executing very well, uh, but that interception for a touchdown completely energized that Charger defense and gave them all the momentum. And then on offense, they come back, they have a holding call after that, and they have a couple penalties. And, you know, you even saw Mike Evans getting frustrated because he did get hit on that play before the ball got there. He got no pass interference, but Jenkins was jawed with him. He pushes him. He gets a 15-yarder. But the same way the Bucks lost the momentum early in the first quarter with a big fumble, forced fumble by Sue, and then a touchdown, now all of a sudden you saw that momentum swing completely back right before the half. And then at, at halftime, you know, Bruce Arians does a good job I'd like to listen to some of his speeches because, you know, he uses a lot of colorful language. You can read his <laughs> lips on the TV. But, you know, you'd like to see what he was talking about. But it's, it's very when you get examples like that, you can see how, how impactful one play can be to swing the whole momentum of a football game. And it doesn't mean you're a better or you're a worse team. You just got to play and execute. You listen to Tom Brady and Gronkowski and all those guys talk in their interviews. It's all about accountability, trust, and executing uh, to the highest level they can. And they all still feel like they haven't gotten to that point yet. But obviously, after the big momentum play, right before the half, they were able to come out offensively and get going. And then the defense came out with a different energy in the second half. And uh, they were able to, other than the one big play, and, you know, he was pretty well covered. Murphy Bunting was, you know, had him – by a step, he wound up tripping over his foot. That's why he wound up scoring a touchdown. But he was right there in a tremendous throw by Herbert. Now, that guy's going to be pretty good. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't that San Diego uh, didn't play the same way, but the Bucks just made more plays than they did in the second half. San Diego – or uh, San Diego, the Chargers didn't – that guy did that twice on the radio. I have a hard time getting used to him as the L.A. Uh, L.A. Chargers. But, um, you know, it, the, the Chargers didn't – fall apart the Bucks just played better in the second half yeah that's that's a great point and yeah I think you know Bruce has talked about how much you know promise he sees out of Herbert that guy stood in there and delivered quite a performance in that game um you know with the chemistry of Tom Brady with his wide receivers and, and pass catchers overall you know they, they lost so much time in this offseason and um, I think we all knew that as good as Tom Brady is it still is going to take some time to get used to things but then in the game there were nine different guys that that caught a pass from Brady in, in these first four games, have you seen that chemistry build already that progress? And I mean, you're someone that knows what it takes to have that as, as a former tight end. And it's one of those intangible things. That's kind of hard to explain. Where do you see them at in that process? It is a, a work in progress. It's getting better. Um, trust is the biggest thing. When, when you saw 
uh, Brady throwing a Gronkowski there in the fourth quarter on that big drive down the middle. And he literally threw it at the linebackers, the back of his head, uh, trusting that Gronkowski was either going to make the play or he was going to knock that ball down. And we saw him do it with Mike Evans intentionally throwing it behind him because he wasn't over top of the corner. And there are things that do come with time. You saw in the first game in New Orleans where, uh, you know, defenses, they try to disguise what they're doing. So a receiver can read coverage differently than a quarterback can. So what has to happen is you have to go back to film and say, you know, this is how I see it. And it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily uh, make one person right and the other one wrong. As long as you both see it the same way, it could still be a positive play, even though it wasn't the coverage you're expecting. But they, they do such a good job at the pro level of disguising the things that they're doing to try to confuse quarterbacks. Um, so that interception where, you know, um, Brady expected Evans to keep going up the middle of the field, that turned out to really be that first interception he threw. Um, they're the things that you need preseason, you need the offseason, you need the camp to kind of get through so that you're seeing things the same way. Um, and you're starting to see that more now. You're going to see as the season goes on, uh, Mike Evans be targeted more when he's covered. Uh, you're going to see him take more shots of those 50-50 balls that he made a big catch at the end of the game. Uh, you're going to see a lot more of the really tight trust type throws because they're going to be able to read each other. But it does come with time, and I, and I think they've uh, really in a short period of time, in four weeks, I mean, you could see obviously with the success of five touchdown passes, nine different receivers, and five touchdown passes to five different guys will tell you how far the offense has really come in a short period of time. Yeah, that's that's a great point. Um, and how about the the use of, of Rojo yesterday? I mean, when you didn't have Fournette, you ended up losing Shady pretty early. Um, just how much he was asked to carry that load, and, and what did you think of how he was able to run the ball? I think it was great for him. And I, I said it in a pregame show uh, with those guys that, honestly, that's the best thing for Ronald Jones that could have happened was to, to be the guy because he, he he's grown uh, from his second year to his third year. Uh, he's had a great off season. He, he ran the ball well in preseason. And then, um, you know, he got out there yesterday as the number one guy, knowing he was going to carry the ball and he got over a hundred yards. I mean, you know, other than a couple concentration plays where he needs to, concentrate on the football out of the backfield a little bit with the catches. I mean, he played an outstanding game, and I think that was good for him. I think it was good for the people around him. I think the offensive line by far played their best overall game, both in the run and the passing game. Um, so it was nice to see that run game come together. We know what Fournette can do, uh, but Ronald Jones did a lot to, to help himself yesterday. Well, we are going to have more coming up here on Buccaneers Total Access, brought to you by Frontier Communications and Hooters. We are talking to former Buccaneer tight end Dave Moore and current play-by-play and color commentary for the Bucks radio. So we'll be right back. This is Buccaneers Radio. Now more on Buccaneers Total Access, brought to you by Frontier Communications and by Hooters. Now your host, Bucks team reporter Casey Phillips. It is time for our final segment here on Buccaneers Total Access, brought to you by Frontier Communications and Hooters. We are talking to former Buccaneer tight end Dave Moore, um, which I always, of course, want to get your insight on the tight end group overall. Um, just I wanted to hear what you'd thought about how they had been used up to this point in the season. The first four games 
the way they're being deployed, how comfortable Brady looks with each of them. Um, and then now, of course, the way that potentially losing OJ for the season, we still don't know the full extent, but that's what coach said he's afraid of, what that would do to that room. Well, you have a lot of weapons on this offense. Uh, you have very, you have three very capable tight ends in Gronk and OJ Howard and Cameron Bright, but you also have a, a full stable of wide receivers. So, you know, game to game, it's going to be different. And I, I thought it was funny with Gronk, you know, considering himself a blocking tight end now. And he went through that whole thing. But, you know, it, it is – some of it's game plan. Some of it's how uh, defenses decide on, uh, you know, how to cover you, which guys are going to try to take away. Uh, we were seeing a lot of sets against the Chargers with three tight ends in the game. They had Cameron Bray in motion, O.J. Howard in that, you know, pair position, they call it, which is, you know, kind of that wing position. And then Gronkowski down. Uh, they also lined up all three of them out wide in a bunch formation like you normally see three wide receivers. And that creates a lot of problems for defenses. If you're trying to figure out what personnel group you want in there to match up, normally when you see three tight ends in the game, you're going to keep your bigger linebacker bodies in there because that's the personnel group you normally run out of. The Bucks were going in there, going into empty backfield with three of those guys split out, and that creates some real mismatch uh, issues for defenses. Um, obviously, with O.J. Howard potentially being out, that's going to affect that. We saw a lot of Tanner Hudson at the end of that game. He's a guy that you know we've seen in preseason and has outstanding hands. But the real question is, how is the run game going to be affected by that? And Anthony Alclair last year was kind of their designated blocking guy, and uh, you know, he's on injured reserve, not sure when he's going to be capable of coming back. So it will change things a little bit, maybe personnel group-wise. Um, but it's good to see them getting involved. You saw Cameron Bray catch a touchdown yesterday, O.J. Howard, Gronk with a big catch in a key situation. So you know, all those guys contributed in their own capacity, and obviously two of them for touchdowns in a big way, and, a, and another one on third down that kept a, a critical drive going to be able to take the lead. So you know, they're a big part of the offense. They're a big part of the run game. Um, yeah, I wish I was in the room with them. but yeah no it's it's a fun it's a fun position to play and it's a fun group of guys that are in there and they you know just start to use them more creatively you know the Bruce Arians offenses didn't necessarily feature tight ends in the past but what they're doing now is they're substituting tight ends for those tight ends in for those normal wide receiver personnel groups and all it does is, is give them opportunities to get mismatches and, you know, get runs in situations where the defense isn't expecting it. It's great for play action. Um, they're getting a lot more play action opportunities. So uh, it's fun to watch. You know, Byron Lefwich in his second year as a play caller, OC, um, how have you seen him take on this role and, and what does maybe the offense even look like now that it is his second year and, and has Brady affected what you've seen of how they're trying to do things. You know, that's the big debate always is how much do you have your plan that the player fits into versus tailoring your plan to the player? Well, I think which he starts with his plan, which is really he and Bruce Arians' plan. So you got to figure you have Leftwich in his position, but then you have Bruce Arians that's been coaching at that level offenses for 30 years. And you bring in a quarterback that's been playing in a different offense for 20 years. And then uh, you have to somehow mold them together. But 
when you listen to the comments, you know, as they progress through the season, they're going to learn what things they do very well, what things they do, they don't do as well. And then they're going to kind of see what personnel groups they have, what guys are playing well and how to best utilize the talent. So there's a lot of factors that go into that. You know, I can say I, I like this offense and this is what I want to run, but maybe my personnel doesn't necessarily match the style of offense I want to run. And a good offensive coordinator and good coaches are able to mold their offense to the personnel and the type of talent that they have. And that, and that's what really makes good offensive coordinators. You know, I'll give you an example just as a sidebar is you look at New England, um, if you saw them the first week, I mean, they're running a college spread style offense because Cam Newton is running the offense now. Well, you have to take your talent. Yes, you have your offense, but you have to be able to utilize, you know, the strengths of your players. Well, if Tom Brady was still there, they wouldn't be running that offense, you know. So it's kind of the same thing. Byron Leftwich has his offense. And then you have to look at Tom Brady, what he does very well. And he's, you know, he hit six out of seven deep balls uh, against the Chargers, which, you know, we haven't been able to hit here in a long time and uh, and take advantage of what you have. So I, I think it's a combination of really all three of them getting together and, and you know, finding a way to, to get the ball down the field and score points. So when you look at these rookies and guys like Tristan Wirfs and Antoine Winfield Jr. in particular and how much they've been asked to do and how well they've contributed already this early, Keyshawn Vaughn getting his first touchdown in this kind of an offseason, missing as many reps as they have, um, how amazed and impressed have you been by that? And, and were you surprised that they have been able to contribute after that kind of an offseason? Uh, I am very surprised, especially with uh, Antoine Winfield Jr. You know, offensive linemen, ninety uh, percent of what they're doing is mental. Uh, they learn the techniques for the pass blocking, and they're used to combination blocking and a run game. And you know, their their world is played in a you know five yard square box for the most part. They just have to see what's going on around them. But with all of the route combinations, the personnel groups, the formations, the motions, the, uh, all of the things that Antoine Winfield um, has to deal with, which is completely different than the uh, college level. You know, college, everything's, you know, more basic coverage. They're not, not combo coverages and all this crazy stuff. Uh, obviously, I, I played with his father with the Buffalo Bills for a year, and he was a tremendous player. And a smart guy, and you can tell that his father sits and breaks film down with him and kind of explains what to anticipate and how to do it. And that's kind of been his biggest advantage, especially without having all of those you know, rookie mini camps, OTAs, all of the walkthrough type situations, because to see it on paper and actually see it live happen are two very different things. Um, and he's been very impressive and worse. The fact that, that we don't, say his name on Sundays is the biggest compliment you can give an offensive lineman. I mean, I, I brought up his name a couple times yesterday. He did a great job pulling on a screen and got outside and, and he's had some really good blocks, but I mean, we haven't even brought his name up in pass protection. And that's the hardest thing for these young guys with the extremely quick and athletic uh, defensive ends that he's going up against on a weekly basis, but really very impressive, hard to do without an off season, you know, that's, that's really quite an accomplishment. 
We're talking to former Buccaneer tight end Dave Moore. Um, and, you know, with what you, you mentioned, all the things that Antoine Winfield Jr. is being asked to do. And I feel like in particular in the Bulls defense, that's true that, you know, we've just seen so many interesting things that he's done and all these DB blitzes. Um, what have you seen from his scheme and what it looks like it's like to play in that scheme and, and just what all some of these guys are being asked to do like Antoine Winfield Jr.? Well, I think it's a fun scheme to play in. You know, it's very different than uh, traditional Monty Kiffin schemes where you're just going to run a few coverages, but you're going to know the inside now of uh, how to run them and, and they're fundamentally sound. This is exciting stuff. I mean, he's blitzing on one play. He's faking a blitz on another play. He's a delayed blitz, but then he's also covering the middle of the field. We saw him drop down when Murphy Bunting got hurt and played a slot corner uh, for a rookie to know multiple positions again, you know, very impressive, but he, you can see that he trusts his uh, homework and his preparation and he doesn't hesitate. The hardest thing for young guys, if you're not a hundred percent sure what you're doing, it's very difficult to play full speed. And that's something he, you know, has done and you can see him do. I mean, he pulls the trigger and he goes and, um, He's in the right spot doing his thing. But this Todd Bowles defense is a lot of fun to watch. Um, you know, they do have that take some chances, that feast or famine, they call it, style defense. So when you bring it all out blitz, you got some guys in man coverage that are all by themselves. So they know that their buddy's got to get there to help them out. And if they don't, they can give up a big play. And we saw a couple of them uh, Sunday. But that's the nature of the defense. When you take guys out of coverage and you blitz the quarterback, they know they have to get there to generate pressure. Otherwise, you're leaving their buddy hanging out on an island and man coverage with a lot of field. Yeah. Uh, but he's really, he's really, you know, done a good job himself. And, and the defense in general uh, has been exciting to watch. Yeah, they talked about what a priority it was to bring back that front seven from last year that was number one in the run. Um, from what you've seen from them so far, that front seven part, do you think they have the potential to be as good or better than they were last year? Yes, absolutely. And, and, you know, part of that front seven is Devin White. You know, he's a guy that with another year under his belt, you can see that helped him a ton knowing what to expect, how to do it. Bringing Sue back, obviously, to compliment Vita Vea. Vita Vea is, from the day he got here, uh, he was able to push those guys, double team them straight back to the quarterback. It's so important to have that push in the middle so that your outside pass rushers can get to the quarterback because a lot of times when the outside guys get up the field, if you don't have that middle push, quarterback can step up in the pocket to throw the ball. If they can't, that's when you're going to get the sacks from Barrett and JPP, and you're seeing uh, those four guys up front working unison, talking about the defensive line, to really cause some problems for quarterbacks. And then Levante David and um, Devin White are really playing great ball. Yeah, that's that's huge to hear. And then finally, how about those young DBs that last year took such a big step at the end of the year? Have you seen that continue where it seems like their mental growth really hit just a whole new stride towards the end of last year? Absolutely. I mean, you could see it. And the funny thing about it is it's a bunch of young guys that are all kind of growing up in the NFL together. You know, with the addition of Antoine Winfield, you got Jordan Whitehead, who's kind of the older, but they had Murphy Bunting, Jamel Dean, Carlton Davis is playing great. He got another interception. I mean, this is a young group of guys that could potentially play together for a very long time. 
they do a great job. I mean, they, they understand each other. They're close, which helps because the synergy and the communication is good. So they got some formidable guys up front with the front seven that are kind of a mixed age group. And then you have this defensive backfield that's young, full of fire. And I think it's a great combination. And about halfway through the season last year when Todd Bowles kind of spent a lot of time with those guys and and taught them how to watch film and how to analyze what teams are trying to do to them, we saw their play uh, accelerate very quickly and, and they've grown from there. So about, Halfway through last year, that defensive backfield, things started to click, and and they're continuing to get better every week. Well, Dave, thank you so much for being with us uh, on the show. It is such a treat to get to talk to you, and um, we just you do such great work during the games. And if people don't already do it, they really need to listen to you and, and Mean Gene on Sundays. Love the insight that you guys give us, and yeah, really great to talk to you. You too, and uh, go Bucks! Thursday night, short week going to be crazy. All right. Well, thanks to all of you guys for being with us. This has been Buccaneers Total Access brought to you by Frontier Communications and Hooters. This is Buccaneers Radio.